This time we'll turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And because God has given us His holy word, and His word is holy and infallible and all-powerful, and He has given authority by means of His word, let's stand together as we read from God's word, starting um, Luke 6, starting at verse 20. This is God's holy and infallible word. And turning his gaze toward his disciples, he began to say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And we'll skip to verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Let's pray together. Our glorious Father, bless this, your word. Give us your Holy Spirit to help us to understand and receive and believe and that you would nurture and help us to grow in faith and obedience in accordance with this, your word. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. It's a loving thing to give warnings Um, This is one of the main reasons why we should want to witness the gospel. If you see someone walking into a pit, you want to warn them of the wrath to come. Or if you see someone uh, walking off a cliff, you want to warn them so that they, they don't get hurt. And God loves us, and because God loves us, He gives us warning. And I believe that this passage... Uh, what we just read is intended for the covenant community. These were people who were following after Jesus. These were people who believed in his word. These were people who believed that he was sent by God. These were people who were healed. Uh, it says earlier in this uh, chapter, who were healed of great many illnesses. And many were delivered from the work of the evil one. Um, my last sermon, I ended up teaching that we cannot interpret that you are blessed to be poor in and of itself of being poor. Because there are poor people who deny the gospel. And if a person does not have Jesus as their Savior, whether they are poor or rich, they shall perish. So one is not blessed just by the mere fact that they are poor or hungry. But before we get into today's text a little bit more, I want us to see a little bit of the background. Um, remember, uh, this is something that I'm going to focus and kind of flush out a little bit more as we get into this part of Luke's gospel. It's not only a theme in Luke's gospel, but it's a theme in the whole New Testament that there is a role reversal. What do I mean by a role reversal? Well, I'll go back to uh, chapter 1. When Mary was pregnant with baby Jesus... 
Um, she then ended up meeting with Elizabeth, her relative, and then when, when the baby John the Baptist leapt in the womb of Elizabeth, Mary came out and praised God and said these words, He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. Later on uh, in the temple, Simeon came and blessed them and blessed the child. And Simeon in the temple said this, Behold, this child is appointed for the rise, for the fall and rise of many in Israel. That's from Luke 2. Later on in this um, gospel account, um, Luke will say this, uh, that, well, he'll give, he'll point out that Jesus said, Some are last, who will be first, and some who are first will be last. It's a roll of verses. But we see that uh, in the New Testament elsewhere. There are not many rich, not many uh, wise, but God is using the foolish things of this world. As we get to today's text, we'll see the words, Woe to you. What does that mean? Well, for young people who might not use that language, that's an old way of saying a warning to you. Be warned. Woe to you. Heed the warning. And we have this as our main focus in today's text. Heed Christ's warnings. We'll look at this at three main points. A warning to the rich and well-fed. A warning to jokers. And a warning to man-pleasers. So let's look at this first main point. A warning to the rich and well-fed. Verses 24 and 25. But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. To get a holistic view of what the scripture says about riches, you can't just look at this particular verse on its own in isolation. When you read a difficult passage of scripture, the method that we should use is to let scripture interpret scripture. And the place that we want to focus on is in Proverbs 10. In Proverbs 10, in your notes, I've cited two verses there. It gives us practical truths about how one who is godly gets wealthy. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 10.4. And then later on in that chapter, in, verses, uh, in verse 22, it said, It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. Now, here we say it's a blessing to be, that God gives to give riches. But Jesus is warning, woe to you who are rich. Is there a contradiction? Well, uh, the first thing we need to fi- find out is that what is, it being, what is being said in the Proverbs, especially in verse 22. For the ungodly person, There is the temptation with riches to have great sorrow. Sorrow, trouble, and worry. But for the godly person, he gives riches and no sorrows added to it. So I believe that what is being warned here is that riches can have a temptation to adding such sorrow and trouble. Proverbs 23, 4, and 5 says this, gives another warning. Do not weary yourselves to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, 
it is gone, for wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. The New King James translates it, verse 4, as this, Do not overwork to be rich. So if your life is consumed, if from waking till sleeping, if your life is consumed with making money, it can do great harm on you physically, mentally, and spiritually. If you're too busy to read scripture, to pray, or even to go to worship the Lord, especially public worship, then you're too busy. You're overworking. You're making the wrong priority. So I believe when Jesus is saying the words back in uh, Luke 6, when he says, Woe to you who are rich. He's warning against those who may trust in riches rather than in God. He's warning against those who trust in riches rather than in God. Money can be an idol, just as any other object can be an idol instead of the God of heaven. I want us to turn to a passage in 1 Timothy. Let's uh, keep our place in Luke 6. Turn to 1 Timothy 6. First Timothy 6, we'll start at verse 6. But godliness is a means of gain. Um, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into this world, for we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And skip to verse Uh, 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So there's two warnings about riches here. Riches can make you conceited or proud, and Timothy was to warn those who were rich against this. But another one is the danger of idolatry, mentioned in in verse 17. An example of someone who has an idolatry toward riches is one who fixes their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Instead, you are to fix your hope on God. In other words, don't put your faith in riches, put your faith in God instead. Getting back to Luke uh, 6, he warns against being well-fed. Verse 25. 
because food can be an idol just as money can be an idol. This is an important um, warning in Louisiana. Uh, Growing up in South Louisiana, I can testify that people who grow up in South Louisiana sometimes think five times, maybe ten times more about food than anything else in the world. And if you ask them how much is God upon their minds and in their hearts, well, in comparison to food, he's, he's down on the list. And, you know, if they, if they thought about God almost equally as the same amount they thought about food, they'd be a rather holy people down there. Now, here's another problem, um, and I testify that I've done this myself. Sometimes we eat when we're bored, and we eat because it tastes good, and we love it, and it's delicious. And there are times where we eat when we're worried. You know, what do they call that? Comfort food. You eat for the sake of comfort. Well, next time you've kind of got something on your mind and you're a little distressed, rather than eating to, to soothe your distress, consider getting on your knees and praying to God to help you rather than casting your cares upon your food. Cast your cares upon the Lord. It is told that for those whose God is their belly, Jesus warns that there is a place where such idolaters will go and they, they will hunger. They shall be hungry. They will have the pains of hunger and thirst as well as the pains of fire for all eternity. Jesus gives a warning against jokers. Look at verse 25. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. To some people, everything's a joke. That's why we might call them jokers. Jokers like to make fun of others. Um, They love to laugh so much they don't care if they cause harm to others um, or even great insult to others. Proverbs 26, 18 and following says, Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, Was I not joking? There are some people who will play a joke on others that will last days, weeks. I've known a case where someone played a joke on someone that lasted months. And then when exposed on their, on their deception and their, and their very cruel joke, they, someone said, well, that's just how young people are. You know, it's a, it's a breaking of the ninth commandment. It's a breaking of the ninth commandment. It's a sin. It's not just, oh, well, that's just how young people are. Lying should be something that's taken seriously because murderers, idolaters, sorcerers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, according to Revelation. Did you notice that? That Revelation names liars among idolaters and sorcerers and murderers? It's not a light sin. Jokers make fun of matters that really should be taken seriously. Their jobs, their relationships, even their parents, who they should honor, but rather they, they joke about them and they, they disrespect them rather than honor them. Uh, responsibilities they joke about. They might even joke about the church. Um, they laugh about sin. Wickedness is a laughing matter. Um, I grew up in... I laughed about wickedness growing up before I was a Christian. 
But some smile and ja- they smile and laugh and joke about sin. But on that great day of judgment, and for all eternity, they shall weep. They laugh now, but they shall weep for all eternity. Unless God's word takes a hold of them, they should instead grieve. If God gets a hold of them through Jesus Christ, they should grieve over their sin and turn from their sin and turn unto the Lord Jesus with repentance. The most vile joke of all is those who joke about God himself. They make fun of God and those who love him. It's no laughing matter. They themselves, they will be placed in unrelenting fire. As it says, they shall mourn and weep. There's a warning against man-pleasers in verse 26. Woe to them, woe to to you, when all men speak well of you. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. I believe verse 26 here is a road sign. It's an indicator that points to someone who is seeking to please people rather than please God. It's an indicator. It's a pointer. You must have a balanced understanding of how to get along with others and what our relationship should be with with others. Yes, Romans 12 tells us some things about this that uh, we need to look at. Uh, Let's turn to Romans 12. Starting at verse 14, Jesus says, I mean, Paul the Apostle says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved. Leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So some might read this passage and say, well, it looks like Christians should be pushovers. They should do everything possible to be at peace with all men. Well, being at peace with all men doesn't mean you can't have a disagreement. It doesn't mean that you can't tell someone that they are wrong It doesn't mean that you can say you're a sinner and you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What it's saying here is if someone does something mean or cruel to you, don't enact vengeance, but try to overlook a fault. It's man's glory to overlook a fault, even disrespect and other things of that that nature. But what's being told here by Jesus in Luke 6 is that if all men speak well of you, Maybe the problem is is that you're seeking to be loved by people more than you care about being loved by God. Um, In other words, you might be seeking to be all things to all people 
And that is to live in a way that's impossible, but it's also a lie. Um, I know someone that had once, when you see him, he's around Christian people in church, um, he acts one way, but then when he's around his friends, he acts another way. And I asked, I said, well, which is the true you? Who are you? Well, people like that, they don't have an answer sometimes. But really, the resolution of that problem of why people are like that, who seek to please others to the point where they compromise their faith, they compromise their values, they laugh at jokes among their secular co-workers, is because really they're seeking to please people to the point where what matters most is not them, but themselves. Because they want to be loved, they want to be respected at all costs, rather than honoring God above. Your unbelieving co-workers should know that you have values and the reason why you don't laugh at those vile jokes is because you are a Christian and you have Christian convictions. Ask God to help you to control your tongue in the same fashion in church as you do outside the church walls. Help, Ask God for help to be a consistent, whole person not a person who seeks to be all things to all people. Again, Jesus warns us by giving these warnings because he loves us. He warns us against being consumed with an idol of riches or being consumed with an idol of food or loving to joke more than loving to repent over sin and loving to be a man-pleaser, to be loved by others rather than seeking first and foremost to be loved by God and living for His kingdom. If God has convicted you that any of this applies to you and maybe you have been holding in excess something regarding money or joking around or man-pleasing, ask God to help you to turn from those sins and turn unto the Lord Jesus Christ and that he may truly be the center of your life. But if you meet someone like that, don't condemn them and judge them. Pray for them. Respect them as much as you can. Live at peace with them as much as you can. Tell them the gospel. Tell them how they might have true satisfaction only in Christ. Witness to them. But pray that God would do his mighty work, for it's only through God opening the hearts and minds of those who hear the words of life that they believe and receive that which is spoken unto them. Brothers and sisters, Jesus died for sinners such as us. Those who have placed other things even before him, maybe even in this past week. And he's given us Jesus, his son, that we might live for him and not for ourselves. Let's pray together. Our glorious Father, we thank you for this, your word. Help us, we pray, to receive this, your word, and to believe it, and that you would write up these words upon our heart, that you would help us to have you as the center of our very lives, that we would live for him who died for us and who has risen for us, 
and who is exalted at your right hand, that we would live for him and not for ourselves or for anything else. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.